Listener Production. The home and garden can be a real sanctuary for so many of us. But what if you long for a personal oasis and you're a self-confessed non-gardener? I had all these cockroaches come at me and I'm like, oh my God, the thing that does my head in the most is flying insects. Hi, I'm Charlie Arbone and in partnership with Still, on this episode of That's How We Grow, I'll be catching up with the amazing Deborah Hutton and she knows a thing or two about creating a home. Landscaping and getting that right so you're interacting with it at all points through the house I think is really vital. You've seen her on TV helping Australians get into their dream homes, maybe used a recipe or two from one of her cookbooks when you were entertaining. You might have even picked up some of her homeware range to make your place look great. But today, we're trying to add another string to her bow and turn her into a green thumb as well. The one plant that I've got in the house at the moment just, like, died. Oh. Well, Deborah, thank you for joining us this morning. Really appreciate your time. You've had a pretty amazing career. You've been an international model. You've hosted numerous TV shows. You've been the editor of Australian Women's Weekly. And you've done a million other things. Can I add gardeners to the list? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I do wish. It's sort of one of those things that, you know, when I see people in their garden spending hours, which where I live now, that's, you know, it's a great pastime for people. And I go, that will be me one day. It's always one of okay. those things that I think you've got to have not only passion for, but time. You know, it's a, yes. it's a real thing that I would like to do more of. Right. But you probably hear that all the time, do you? I do. Yeah, yeah. which is an odd thing. I mean, I, I always make time for it. So because well, that's what you do. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. People ask me what do I do when I relax and the answer is I, I do more gardening. Yeah, yeah. But, no, it's I see it. I think the thing I'd really want to really master one day is to have my own veggie patch. I think that would be something that I would really put a whole lot of attention into and just that feeling of growing something and, you know, So have you, do you have any experience with that? Because you've written two cookbooks, haven't you? <laughs> I have, but I went and bought the groceries. <laughs> See, that's odd because most chefs like to, to cook, to grow stuff. It goes hand in hand. Yeah, I know, but I'm hardly a chef, Charlie. Oh. I'm hardly a chef. I'm just, uh, I just love cooking. And, and of course I love, you know, really good product and great ingredients. Yes. You know, I, I moved out of Sydney a year and a half ago down south of Sydney and it's mm-hmm. a beautiful area and I've got a thousand square meters right on the ocean and and it's a block, it's a house that needs to come down. Uh, it's an old asbestos red brick, you know, it's got concrete cancer yes. and whatever. So I've spent tens of dollars, I've tarted it up mm-hmm. living in there and I'm going to sort of build my next dream home. But part of that was like, okay, now I'm actually going to get to the point where I can be like the Martha Stewart and I can have one of those really stunning veggie patches that don't require you to be on your knees. Oh, you're going to go raised. Raised. Yes, Yes, I need a raised patch, so Uh to speak. (laughs) Because my knees are stuffed Uh and I thought, you know, I need to actually, yeah, build something beautiful and elevated and then that's sort of my dream, my dream garden next to my dream home. So I've got raised veggie patches, but I went one step further and took them to the wicking bed level. So you can go raised veggie patches, which are great for your back and for your knees. So a wicking bed is a raised bed where the bottom half is basically a reservoir of water. And then the top three, four hundred mil is the soil. And if you top up the water underneath, then it wicks up through the soil and you don't have to water as much. 
How fabulous. Perfect going into drought. Perfect for those that want to come back to Sydney for a couple of days and not have to worry about it. Wow. Well, I've learned something. Thank you for having me today. I've just added (laughs) another level of what you need to do. Wiki, I'm going to make some notes about this, but I love that idea because that's the thing. Like whenever I do, you know, plant something or whatever, I, if I'm not always there and I'm not always there, I spend, you know, I'm back and forth to Sydney Mm. and I also travel a bit. So if you're away, I've got to ring, you know, the neighbour and say, do you mind just chucking a hose on this? Yeah. Irrigation is one of the biggest problems that you're going to have with having any really, you know, any sustainable sort of garden. You've renovated a few houses. I renovated one in Bronte and I loved the experience. I really did. It's a beautiful house, but I've always said that landscaping is 50% of actually the whole beauty of a property. And I really, I loved the garden that I put in into the Bronte house. And it was beautifully designed and I did have drip systems and I never had a problem, but it was a low maintenance garden. I want to build something that's a native, that's something that will just look after itself primarily. Right. Nothing too delicate. Okay. It's like me. I'm not a delicate person. <laughs> so it needs to kind of feel robust and, yes. you know, and, and doesn't need a lot of um, time. So did you give it. a brief to a landscape designer? I did. I yeah. did. I got Miles Baldwin who did my very first house in Tamarama, uh, which was literally just a sort of a, an elevated courtyard and but he did just this gorgeous job so I got him onto it and I I loved it because it also you know he's got different shapes and Mm. and obviously I I had to have gardeners come in every month and just sort of really look after it but that's something that I don't want to do with where I am now so you want to look after it yourself it needs to look after itself and I you know, and I'm talking about, you know, there was some beautiful buxes that were all, you know, hedged and they yes. had these gorgeous sort of round shapes and I loved that. And it was just a beautiful juxtaposition with other plants in there. But I don't want anything that needs hedging or shaping. I kind of need, it needs to be looked after, but without being sort of too perfect. Right. I went down to this amazing place in Tassie called Satellite Island and it's an incredible place and it's this little tiny island off Bruni and it just had the most beautiful feel because it was all natives and you could tell that the garden was obviously designed but it was lots of, you know, very practical plants so there was lots of coastal, um, you know, robust, it was beautiful weeds and not weeds. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful ones. Weeds can be beautiful. Grasses, I meant to say. And I was, and I looked and I thought, yes, I, I get that it needs attention but it wasn't, I love the imperfection. A little bit looser. Yeah, and the fact that it was really, these were hardy plants that could take the elements. Yes. And that's what I need because where I am is you get the nor'easterlies, you get the southerlies, and you get the salt. Yes. So that's the biggest problem. It's a very tricky sort of site to, to grow in and getting the right plant for the right spot will do the maintenance for you yeah. pretty much. Yeah. So when you're researching, research salt tolerance, research dry soil, sandy soil. You can improve the soil, but you don't really want to be doing too much. I will tell you about what happened when I arrived down south. So I live near Austin, near. Okay? Yes. And last year, as everyone in that area would know, the Illawarra got absolutely hammered with rain bombs. And we mm. had like three months of nonstop, really, really heavy weather, really heavy rain. And where I am, there's a massive escarpment, which just basically just flows along the, the line of the beaches. Yes. It's an old coal mining area. So there's coal seams all the way through the area. And what happened is the, the previous owners had taken away a lot of the planting and trees from this particular block, which goes down to the ocean. 
So what happened was we suffered a massive landslide and it was about three or four houses and we all lost all the stairs down to the beach and mass, I'm talking massive glaciers, yeah. all just went down. And then I could see something else was happening and what started to happen was the ground started to sink. So it started to find ter- its own terracing. So I ended up overall in the last year, 16 months, it dropped over six metres and it kept cracking and breaking yeah. and sinking. That's mildly terrifying. Totally terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, hi, Deb. Welcome, welcome <laughs> to the Illawarra. So this we're like, house. yeah, let's target, target you. <laughs> so I was like, holy shit. And my neighbor's going, oh, I think it's all right. It'll be all right. You know, we're just going to plant yeah. some more trees. We'll be fine. Don't worry about it, love. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I mean, this is this, is this beautiful piece of land that we had. So I only just now had civil, uh, you know, uh, engineers and... I was going to suggest getting an engineer rather than your neighbour. I've had multiple, like we're looking at geotech reports. So now I've learned this whole thing Mm. about getting in geotechs, what they do, all these different instruments, these water instruments, these these inclometers that that sort of read the slippage of the land. Yes. Hydraulic engineers, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God, I'm really good with colours of paint colours and quilting. I've got a... Uh Yeah, I'm great with interiors, but Charlie, I am learning a whole new language here. Landscaping is really difficult because you're building on something that moves. When you're dealing with clay, you know, that expands and contracts and you've got to build something on that. And it's very tricky. It's underrated, I think, as how difficult landscaping can be. Yeah, and I had no idea. And it's full clay, as, as you've said. Yeah stuck in a subsoil drain. I mean, I can't tell you. I've had the Tonka toys down. Yeah. I've had the big... The You've big, had fun. <laughs> the big boys have come down. <laughs> and yeah, I'm learning all about subsoil drainage and, and, you know, the whole thing. So it's just been totally unexpected. I just thought, you know, I'll just got to work on the design of a house yes. and it'll all be really lovely. But yeah, this is massive and the expense is, is incredible. So it's something yep. that I just really had no idea about. One of the little Tonka toys did this thing and made its way back down. So I've now got a really beautiful staircase that that, okay. that I think Fred Astaire would love. He'd probably dance down. So I've finally got my stairs down to the beach, which I'm very excited about. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Bearing that, the fact that I'm just going to have to be patient and just, yeah, put some, just get some turf down there and yep. just, so at least looks livable. Yes. And my other thing is that I'm always then got little terracotta pots, which look really cute. I'm just, I think I'm just a bit of a shit gardener, really, because I, you know, they, they you just c- haven't done it enough. Everyone's no. a shit gardener to start Isn't with. A shit gardener? Yeah. You, were you, yeah. But you weren't a shit gardener. Oh, I've killed plenty of stuff. There was a story when I, when I moved into this place. There's concrete old laundry tubs, you know, those really mm. old ones that they had one. And the previous owners, they had worm farm written on there, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, no, bug it if I know how a worm farm works. But anyway, so I've got one of those gopher bins or whatever that you put all your, your yes. materials in. And that's all fine. Anyway, so I go down there to open this thing and I got like, I had all these cockroaches come at me. I'm like, oh my God, it's like, that's, that's my least, that's the thing that does my head in the most is flying insects. And I was like, okay. I'm not opening that bloody word. I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. I can't. You need to listen to the podcast with Kate Flood because she's the, she's the compost queen. She talks through all of it. She says you shouldn't have any of those problems. Oh, God. It was, just, it was disgusting. They were coming out. I was screaming. I'm running around just screaming. Going, oh, my God. It's Most so, bad compost stories come from having too much green stuff, which is like your veggies, veggies and stuff like that. Household. So you need to put carbon in. So shredded oh. paper, shredded cardboard, that will dry it out and that oh. gets rid of those problems. Really? Yes. Right. 
<laughs> I should be making notes on yes. this podcast. Okay. But yeah, anyway, what I, what I ended up doing was sticking some soil over the top and basically mixing that in and I stuck some agapanthas in there. So they're just coming to flower at the moment. They're well, there you really go. Good. I know. So you are a good gardener. You've no. <laughs> taken something bad and you've turned it good. And there's no cockroaches, Charlie. And there's no cockroaches. There's no, co- there's no cockroaches, yeah. Yeah. And then I went and planted all these herbs and then all of a sudden these rabbits came. So now we've got a bit of a rabbit colony down there. Okay. Yeah, you need rabbits are a problem. Yeah, they're so cute though. <laughs> they, they are, they're really cute. Uh, you need to maybe, have you seen those veggie pods? So for urban gardeners, they're raised beds oh, yes. and they've got like a sunscreen yeah, and netting over the top. I have it, yeah. Something like that over your herbs would be good to keep the rabbits away. You know, I, I'm aesthetically... That's not really... <laughs> so, I know that's really silly because I get it. Because once yeah. you've, if you've got no, you know, trees, it. you need to put nets over them. Yeah. Like my mate's got a fig tree and it's just coming and the nets go and I'm like, it just looks really ugly. You're going to have to put up with some stuff looking yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I know, bit I know. That's average. why. I, I honestly do, when the design's finally done, yeah. um, I am definitely going to have two sort of veggie patches, wick, wicking... Wicking beds, yeah. Wicking beds. I love that idea. And so what else is in the design? The original design, when I bought the house, it came with a uh, an approved DA. Right. With a big Hamptons house, but it was it came from a family that had got four kids. And I thought, when I got the DA and I and I looked at the property, I loved it, I went, great. I went to Walter Barter, who's this amazing architect, mm-hmm. and, and I said, this is a great house. I just want to change a couple of things. And he said, okay, you just live in it. I said, I'm just going to live in it for a while. So now I've been living there for a year and a half. I don't want that huge house. Yes. So the DA approved landscaping that went with the house, it's just changed everything. So I'm right. almost back to the drawing board about where I want to go with it. Okay. How do you feel about that? I think it's going to be very expensive. <laughs> well, yeah, it will be because you're by the ocean. And I know. It's a big block. I so. know. I mean, I love earthing myself down where I am. I didn't feel that in Sydney. I right. really didn't. I started to lose it. But down there, I've got the escarpment that wraps around you like a beautiful cloak and I've got the ocean that just comes up to your toes and I, I feel so grounded and beautiful. So the, Are you talking about walking around with no shoes on, that yeah. kind of a thing? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and just like feeling, you know. Yeah. I'm in this beauty and it's just surrounded by this nature which you don't really get in the city. Yeah. Unless you have some beautiful garden around you. So landscaping and getting that right so you're interacting with it at all points through the house I think is really vital. Yes. You, you would totally agree with that. How do you work with architects? I mean, how do, how do you, do people come to you yeah. and say, okay, this is the house, the house is done, can you now do... Well, I prefer to get in early before that. Yeah, exactly. Because the... The landscape and the house should fit together, especially mm. when you're planning windows and courtyards and things like that. So exactly, the sooner the better, but often we'll get brought in at the end and you kind of have to fit with the architect and maybe make suggestions or get the... I've worked out if you can get the architect to make the suggestion, it's more likely to happen. Yeah. So you have to like somehow yeah. get them to go, this would be a good idea, but you yeah. need to plant the seed in their head. Yeah. So Walter did the landscaping design that went with the original design of the house. Okay. So I think probably the first thing is to go back to him and sort of go, you know, we need to change. Also, we need to change the design of the house. So it's just, I want low maintenance. Charlie, I'm, I'm getting older. Okay. <laughs> I've already told you my knees suck. They're terrible. <laughs> so I'm not doing any weeding on my knees, that's for sure. But yeah, that's why I just think, you know, as you get older, you just need less. And I need less of a house. I want low maintenance house, durable yep. 
and and I want a garden that just that just lights up my heart because they do. When I see some beautiful places, like when I go down to Tassie, yes. and you just see some of these gorgeous, and I love it. My mother's in the Southern Highlands, and I've spent years going in there, and I just. You know, the seasons down there are so beautiful mm. and I just love being in green. I mean, I think that's what I love so much about being on the on the South Coast. Is you've yes. got that plus, you've got that beautiful ocean. Yeah, it's a great it's a great mix down there. It's really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's a bit odd that you've written two cookbooks and you don't grow anything? No. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> That, that answers that no, one. No, no, because I intend to. I intend to. Right. I mean, when I lived in Bronte, I had no room to grow anything. There was literally, I had, you know, AstroTurf. It was tiny. I had a little tiny area. We with... can beep that out, don't worry. We'll, we'll go back to editing and, and cut out the whole bit about AstroTurf. <laughs> no, no, no. Honestly, this thing was the size of a of a half of a putting green. It was it always should have been a putting green. Right. It's so tiny. Honestly, it was about two meters squared. It was this tiny. Why would you have grass? Seriously. Seriously, Charlie, come on. You're, and, uh, you're not going to convert me, <laughs> but okay. My greatest intention is to grow some vegetables. And yes, I love cooking and I have put out a couple of cookbooks. But no, but I, you know, I hand choose my own vegetables. What would you grow if you could? Like, what's your number one vegetable that you would grow? Sweet potatoes. Yes. Uh, I love those little baby tomatoes, but because I buy, when I buy them, I buy the ones that are really those that are on the vine that yes. aren't sort of processed and you can really taste the difference. So mm-hmm. I would love that. Zucchini, I'm mad zucchini. Carrots would be great. All easy stuff to grow. Yeah. You can grow all of this stuff yeah. now. Well, yeah, probably. I've had no luck with coriander, and it's a shame because it's I. Uh, what? I'm not. Oh I'm not a coriander God, are you fan. Serious? Yeah. Oh my god! You want about Thai food and lemongrass and all that kind just of. Have stuff? it without coriander. Oh, stop! It's just oh as delicious. God, just doesn't it. taste of soap. <laughs> what? Yeah, but, if but I zucchini, could... they're easy. So when you're planting your zucchini. They need a lot of space. So give them a like meter. All, really. <laughs> like all. They need at least a meter by a meter per plant. So no what people way. do is get one of those punnets of six and stick it into a tiny garden yeah. bed. And they'll outcompete each other and you won't get much produce. Oh. One per meter squared is right. all you need. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Your sweet potatoes will grow really easily. Yeah. Because they just do. I love and carrots, too. you can, it's one of the things that you can do all throughout the year. All but right. grow them from seed. Oh, okay. always grow them from seed. From no, seed, from seed. Yeah, you can, can get you germinate se- them from seed. That's Absolutely, what, that's and where you want me to start. That's where you should start because otherwise, it's if you get the little punnets and you try and pluck yeah, them out, those. it's too much stress and they never work. Really? You can buy them in a tape that where the seeds are all spread out in the tape. You lay the tape out, put a bit of dirt over it, water it, and and you're good to go. No way. Yes. Easy, you can be doing all this stuff right now. Seriously, okay, that's the fifth thing I'm writing. <laughs> okay, wicking tape, carrot tape. Carrot tape. <laughs> carrot tape. Yeah. The weird thing is, I actually have some carrot tape in the boot of my car that I Excellent. carry around. Okay, I don't know great. why. I'll, make, I'll meet you oh, yeah. downstairs. Okay. <laughs> so you were the editor of Australian Women's Weekly. Tell me, how do you deal with trends? I mean, you would have seen them come and go. I you, get you, It's the number one question I get asked, right? I get asked, oh, what gardening trends are coming up next year? And I hate oh, the question. Really? Right. Did you see a lot of that when you were... Uh, well, it's because I, I mean, I was, I started as the beauty editor. Yes. Then I was given the fashion editor job. And then I sort of went into the home area. So I became then the home editor. But look, there's always trends and it's very cyclical. You know, I started off doing beauty trends and then obviously fashion trends. Mm-hmm. And the scary thing is I'm now old enough to realize that my 1980s wardrobe is so on song right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, keep everything just in case. Well, yeah, but who could afford to keep everything? Because you do actually, from you know the the late seventies and the eighties, and you look back like you know even a decade or so, when you go, what the hell yeah. was I thinking when I wore that? And what's amazing now is all of those looks and the, you know the high waist and the pleated pants and the the men's the oversized men's jacket and everything. I had all that. I had all that, and I loved it all. And then I was horrified by it all, and now I'm like, wow. Can I wear that again? <laughs> but you know what? I think the beautiful thing about getting older is that you find your own thing that just works for you. And then trends come and go, but they can come and go for other Whatever people. makes you happy. Totally. Yeah. You know, trends are something that's kind of exhausting. Yeah. You know, because you're always trying to like follow the trend. I think it's really lovely to find what works for you and yeah. define your own style. It's the most beautiful thing about getting older. I love that I've come through a lot of stuff and I'm more at ease now than I've ever been in my life. Yep. I love good. the freedom of that, you know, yeah. rather than trying to be something or trying to follow something or fit into something. Yes. I built my own little box around me and it, it kind of fits nice. Makes you happy. I say, you know, I hate garden names, but if you like them, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you've had some skin cancer scares. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I have. Like everyone, I think in my my era, my age spent their life, particularly if you lived in Sydney or, you know, I grew up in Queensland. I was, you know, I was Gold Coasting um, when I was, when it was a single lane highway from Brisbane mm. to the Gold Coast. And, you know, we lived on a farm in Stanthorpe and and so just exposed. And then when I was, you know, young enough living in Western Sydney, I'd jump on three buses to get to Bondi yep. and lay there and just get out the baby oil and just go for it. So, yeah, I'm paying the price of all of that. And so I've had two significant ones on my face, exactly in the same area of my face. And I've got big scars that go from the tip of my nose down to my chin. And they were a thing called infiltrating BCC. And, you know, they've been quite um, uh, challenging because I think my face is kind of, if you want to say my face has been my fortune. Mm. So, of course, isn't it beautiful that I'm going to get skin cancer on my face? It's ironic, but yeah. like perfect because... You know, I'd, it's giving me a voice to talk about the dangers and, you know, skin cancer awareness. And the biggest thing I can always say to people is get your skin checked. You can't tell people not to go in the sun. We live in Australia. We've have, we have an outdoor lifestyle. We love yeah. being outdoors. And you don't want to stop that. But you've got to actually protect yourself and as much as you can, as much yep. as you're able to. But I just so sincerely suggest people to get their skin checked. And there's been so many people that have written to me about still, like yesterday, someone wrote in and said, thank you so much. I saw you do something on it with your hats and I went and got my skin checked. And they send me photos of all these operations that they've had. Oh. And I mean, it's full on. That is full on. It's full on. But, you know, I, I put it out there and I'm grateful that I've had a lot of media support in getting that message out mm. there. But I did a post, it's almost coming up to a couple of years ago now, when my last surgery and I posted on Insta and it just went viral mm. and it was extraordinary. So I ended up doing, you know, Current Affair, I did the cover of the weekly. I've had all of these great opportunities to talk about that. And But one of the things that came out of that and the feedback I had from people was this company wrote to me and said, do you realize that the hats you're wearing aren't necessarily giving you any sun protection? And I was like, what? You know, and I play golf as well, yeah. Charlie. So you're out there with a cotton cap that's got a peak, right? Yes. Like, what the hell are you thinking? Your ears are out there, neck, yep. the whole thing. And I didn't realize. So I followed this up and there's this 
well, it's the biggest hat company in Australia and they, they're up at West Gosford and they said, we've got this material called FlexiBraid and it's a UPF 50 plus sun, you know, maximum sun protection hat. And there's this incredible, uh, these, all these filigrants that sort of come together and, and it just completely blocks the hat and it's all about the width of the hat. Anyway, they said, would you be interested in doing a range and talk to me about, you know, creating something? Yes. And I was like, shit, yeah, I love that idea. So I went up and I found out about these hats and how they're made. And so the good thing is it's come out of it because, you know, honestly, there's always a rainbow at the end of some shit, you know? There's yes. always, yeah, yeah. right, after the storm. So I created a brand called Canopy Bay and it's a lifestyle range of hats that give me the opportunity to talk about skin cancer through trying to sort of say to people, this is what you need in your life is, you know, putting on SPF 50, but wearing a maximum sun protection hat. And so we launched Canopy Bay just as we're going into COVID, which is interesting because we had mm. to sort of launch it online. But it's a lifestyle range. So I've t created something for the life I have. You know, there's golf hats, there's you know, if you want to go to a beautiful lunch and sit outside, you know, if you want to go to the beach. because You got any gardening hats? I do have gardening <laughs> hats. <laughs> well, I've got neighbours on both sides who are mad gardeners. Right. So they've, you know, they're protected. Because the whole thing is it's the width and it's the maximum protection. And they're great hats because I travel with them and they need to be practical. Yes. So, you know, I, I was in a kayak one day and and I was wearing one of my hats, this King, the Kingston hat, and I totally lost my shit and fell in the water and it came up and the hat just held its shape and I went, right, they're waterproof. Perfect. yeah. And I packed them, I packed two or three when I, I just got back from overseas and they flat pack and then they pop up at the other okay. end. So you can go to Europe, you can do all that and you can actually make sure that you're fully protected. So, and, and what else can people do as well as the hat to protect themselves against the sun? Look, I wear, when I play golf, I wear those sleeves. You would have seen a lot of golfers wear yes. those, those arm sleeves. I do that. The first thing I do, whether, and I'm, it's just a habit now, I just put on SPF sunscreen on my face and neck every day. I don't yep. even, if even if you're, I'm inside, look, you can... UV rays are there summer and winter. People think that winter comes along and it's cold, so that they'll be fine. They're yeah. not fine. There's UV rays. So, I'm a sucker for that, I have to say. Really? Yeah, I, I'm, I always oh put sunscreen on in summer, but in winter I just don't think. I know, because you, you're cold and you think yeah. I'm not getting it. But no, you, you check the UV. I'm always checking the UV and it will always say it's high, you know, you need sun okay. protection. So it's 365 days a year you need yep. to do that. So. So I do that. And then I just, if I go to the beach, I always sit under an umbrella. Yep. I know, I'll go and have a swim. I'm totally covered, got my hat on. I just do whatever I can because I don't want it to impact the way I want to live. I want to live my life. I love being outdoors and doing stuff. Yep. So you've just got to be really sensible about it. And the most important thing is when get a skin check. And when did you get your last? Uh, you got I can tell you this. It was a week and a half ago. Oh. I go every six months. Good on you. Because Have you I, had any skin cancers? Uh, I had one under my armpit, yeah, wow. strangely. Got cut out that was precancerous. Yeah, right. So, but nothing since then. you go then. every six months? Yeah, I go and every six months. Do you see a proper derm? Yes. You do? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So my advice is to always, to anyone who's, to anyone, honestly, is is to find a dermatologist, a real dermatologist. Yeah clinical dermatologist, and stick with them because then they get to know you, yeah, know your skin, yeah. and you have this relationship and that just gives you that that feeling of protection that you've got. Yeah, I go every four months. Then you only have to get naked in front of one person instead of strangers, <laughs> right, as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm not mad on that. <laughs> but yeah, we're pretty used to it, so it's okay. But yeah. I'm glad to hear that because that's a really important message. You spend your life outdoors. So. I do, yeah, yeah. And most gardeners do. But yeah, get a bloody hat on, slip that sunscreen on, yes. and just be totally aware of the UV rays, yeah. even on overcast days. So uh, yeah, I've learned that maybe I should 
put on sunscreen during the winter and you've learned you need wicking beds. <laughs> a wonderful chat. I love that. I love that. Hey, we have some questions. Now, you've confessed you're not a great gardener, but would you mind hanging around and answering them with me? Of course. Wonderful. Of course. So, Deb, the first question is from Kate in Melbourne, who says she loves the podcast. Another check in the post. She says, can plants get sunburnt? And if they do, can you do anything to help? And the answer is yes, they can get sunburnt. Yeah, I'm sure they can. It's, what do not, you do? it's not like skin, you know, where you get sunburnt and it repairs itself. No. Once it's burnt, it's, it's burnt. burnt. So it's so about we, getting... We the, c- cut them back. But if, if you have to cut them back, you've got the wrong plant in that spot. Yeah, right. So you need to pick the right plant for the right spot to yeah. start with. It's the most important thing so in gardening. Chuck it out, stick it in the compost bin and start again. You can move it. You could, <laughs> you could cut all the foliage off. You could lift it and move it to and a shady it. spot. Yeah. You could do that mm-hmm. or you just... Tick it up to compost. Yeah, right. A question from Bianca is next. Hi, Charlie. When watering my indoor plants, how much water should I be giving them? Mm. Is there a guide to how much water to the size of the pot? I'm worried about getting the amount right and appreciate your help. Yeah, right. Could I tell you, I've got a, I've got a, a death in the family. I had huge, big, beautiful rapist plants inside the okay. rapist palm. Took it from Bronte and it was very root bound. Yeah. So I had a, my assistant at the time says, look, I'll just, well, I say, help me because it's really heavy. So we basically, we took it out and I, I had to leave. I had a meeting and, and I said, we just need to get loosen the roots. And we got a bigger pot mm-hmm. and I said, we'll just get some fresh soil. So I go back an hour later. She's pulled out every root of the rafers right. and decided to put it in the fresh thing. And I, this thing just went into such shock. And my beautiful rafers, which I've cared for and loved, as just your one gardening yeah, thing. Absolutely. But the one plant that I've got in the house at yeah. the moment just like died. Oh. And I was like, gee, thanks. Yeah, that's no good. No. And it look, it needed repotting. And, but yeah, I mean, I used to, I think Rafus palm just needs a lot of water. But how do yeah. you tell? Like, well, uh, the biggest problem with indoor plants is people overwater them. Oh. And it's really hard to take a plant that's overwatered and bring it back to life. Whereas if something's a bit dry, it's much easier to revive it. So underwater is really the trick indoors. Because you're rotting the roots. You're rotting the roots, yeah. yeah. And you don't have as much airflow and wind as you would outside, which would transpire all that water out normally. So things like peace lilies, they're easy because you just wait till they start to wilt and then you stick them under a tap. My rafis, though, any spare water in any cups or anything like that, I always pour that into the rafis. I do. As just and then that little norm, bits, little, little bits, bits of time, time and that and that keeps it alive. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. that's good. I'll keep that in mind. There you go. Anyway, I had to buy a whole new one. Well, there you go. I know. I was. And def- they're not cheap because they're slow no, growing. No, they're not. They're but, not cheap. And uh, but I love them. I just I think they're a really beautiful indoor plant. They have got great shape to them. They're a great indoor plant. They have got yeah. nice kind of vertical height to them. They don't take yeah. up too much space. So, and yeah. also the, the fiddle leaf or the fig leaf. Oh yeah, they're notoriously difficult to grow indoors. Are they, they really? Because a lot of people have them as indoor plants. Yeah, I think a lot of people buy them in, have them for a short period, and then mm. when they start to look a bit rubbish, start to lose leaves, chuck them out. So is it best to rotate them? Can do that. I tend to put them in the shower. So get all the plants maybe on the weekend, put them all into the bathtub, put the shower on them, that shower washes the all the dust off. Yeah, you don't have to be in with them. I mean, it can get a bit coarse in there. So that's <laughs> the best do it with the cactus. Yeah, 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 you wouldn't do it with a cactus. <laughs> All right, moving on. A question from Alex. I was recently at a friend's house for dinner and they had a lovely time, but the mosquitoes annoyed them all night. Is there any plants that mosquitoes dislike and can you discourage them coming into your back garden? Good question. Citronella. That's a grass that you could be growing. Ah. Looks nice en masse. Yeah, you right. grow it. It's quite big. And then you can just cut that and leave it around and the 
fragrance. Okay, shit, that's going down. That's the sixth thing yeah, on the list. So that's a good citronella one. Plant? There's yeah. a pelagonium, which is a type of geranium, which is called citronella pelagonium. That also does the same thing, very lemon-scented. So anything with lots yeah. of scent to it is good for keeping mosquitoes away. Really? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll keep that in mind. But citronella will be good for you because it will bind the soil together as well. Yeah. And you can have it en masse. Look can you nice. have it in pots? Yes, you can have it on pots. It just needs more water in pots. Okay. And terracotta is not a great pot, is it? Because it just loses all its It loses moisture. a lot of moisture. Yeah. But you can waterproof the inside with a pond waterproofer. Really? And that will help to keep the... What's a pond waterproofer? So there's like a paint that you paint on the inside of really? ponds to waterproof them. Yeah. You do that on the inside of your pots and it stops oh the water God, from going out. Are you taking these notes that I need to be taking home with me? <laughs> yes, I've, well, you can just listen to this again. <laughs> Oh, because I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> no, I wasn't <laughs> suggesting that at all. So I've got a, a question here as well from your former assistant saying, was the reason <laughs> she was fired because she killed your rapist? Yeah, well, yeah. And um, the other part of that was she overwatered it yeah. and sort of waited that, like waited for the water to release itself. But she decided to water it, put it in its little thing and then drag it through the size or carpet. Yeah, to no. where, and then it was, then all that black... Yeah, she's gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deservedly. No, not really, but she has gone. But that wasn't the reason. No. But that wasn't a nice farewell, that's for sure. Sam, <laughs> <laughs> so it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been fun. Thanks. Yeah. And I've learned so much. Thank Jolly you. good. And just a reminder, you can send through your questions at any time. Simply email me at charlie at still.com.au. This is the last episode of the season of That's How We Grow. Thank you to all the guests that have joined us. It has been absolutely brilliant to chat with each and every one of them. And a big thank you, of course, to the team that helped to bring this podcast together, including my great friends at Still. Stay connected with them and me on our social channels for news on future episodes. Until then, I'm Charlie Albone. See you next time. Listener.